This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off this week. Ongoing hot, dry conditions and the risk of high winds are creating extremely dangerous wildfire conditions across most of the province. In the past 24 hours, a string of new and fast-growing fires have triggered road closures and a number of evacuation orders and alerts. Kylie Stanton has more on the warning that conditions could get even worse. Despite the smoke, the 80 people trapped overnight on this mountain can finally breathe. I'm tired. We were all, all a little nervous for sure. We're just happy that everybody is safe. Campers and staff made their way down the only road out of Cathedral Provincial Park Wednesday after spending the night sheltering in place as officials assessed the situation by air. The Crater Creek wildfire, now 10 times the size it was a day ago, inching closer with every passing minute. So it was a really great effort by everyone. The um, convoy had successfully left the area, and as far as we have been notified, everyone has been cleared from the Cathedral Lakes area. It's just one of nearly 370 active fires burning across the province, roughly 150 currently classified as out of control. Evacuation alerts turning to orders for 13 properties near Caramillos. But some are digging in, saying there's just too much at stake. You can't just leave, I mean. Like this is our like income, this is everything for us, right? Below that. But the danger is very real. Between extreme drought conditions and near record temperatures, the wildfire risk across BC is as high as it's ever been. And the forecast has officials bracing for the worst. We are expecting what's the dry cold front to move into the area tomorrow. So no rain, but cooler temperatures and strong gusty winds. Which only further limits the resources to deal with potentially suspicious fires like this one. Feel that heat. One of four brush fires that wow. forced the closure of a section of the Malahat Highway on Vancouver Island Tuesday night. But even when a fire isn't threatening any structures, the communities around it still suffer. Here in Cranbrook, smoke from the Lum Creek fire is blanketing the region, pushing the air quality index to hazardous. 410 in Trail, 394 in Castlegar, and 355 in Nelson. A score of 0 to 50 is considered good. But you just have to look outside to see just how far from good the situation is. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And wildfire crews are monitoring a string of new fires burning in Strathcona Park on Vancouver Island right now. Smoke from the cluster of six fires is visible across a large part of the central island, but the Coastal Fire Center says they don't pose a threat to public safety or infrastructure, and at this point they are not being suppressed. Without significant rainfall, the fires are expected to keep burning into the fall. Now, firefighter crews are hoping for 
A little break from the heat along with a lot of people in some of those hot zones and Yvonne Shell is here now with what we should expect. Yvonne? Chris, the heat wave still continues in towards tomorrow. We don't have a reprieve overnight tonight. Temperatures will still be soaring. It'll be warm for the interior as we're into the mid and upper teens. These will be for overnight lows and we've got another hot day for tomorrow. So be prepared as temperatures soar in towards the interior. Some of the hottest spots for the southern half will be into the mid and upper 30s and a few spots could still get up to 40 degrees. So another hot one be prepared for tomorrow. But the other big weather story is this dry cold front. It is going to sweep across the province of central and southern half. The timing of this will be for tomorrow continuing in towards our Friday. It'll start across the central interior and what we're seeing is the potential for very gusty winds up to 50. Locally a few spots could get up to 70 kilometers per hour. We could see some dry lightning sparking new fires and the risk of breaking tree branches. Also the fire danger rating now sitting at high a few spots up to extreme. I'll have that coming up very shortly. Chris. Okay, we'll check back in a little bit later. Thanks very much, Yvonne. And we have an emerging hotspot that could end up being the worst of them all. Wildfires in the Northwest Territories continue to cause major problems. Thousands of residents there have fled more than 230 wildfires tearing through the northern boreal forest. More than 20,000 square kilometers have burned. That's more than half the size of Vancouver Island. Evacuations have been ordered for Fort Smith, Enterprise, Jean Marie River and Hay River. And there are warnings the fire will reach Hay River this evening. That community is home to about 3,500 people. An evacuation alert is also in place for some parts of Yellowknife. Many highways have been closed by the fires and the territory is mounting what officials have called the largest airlift in its history. And you'll remember it's been two decades since a devastating fire destroyed an entire Kelowna neighborhood and forced tens of thousands of people to flee their homes. 20 years ago, this community came together to, ba to battle a massive fire that deeply impa impacted this community and continues to do so today. The Okanagan Mountain Park fire ignited 20 years ago today. It would lead to the second largest evacuation in Canadian history when more than 33,000 people were forced to flee the advancing flames. By the time the fire was extinguished, almost 240 homes were destroyed. Fortunately, no lives were lost. The size of the fire at the end of the day was approximately 250 square kilometers. And to put that into context, that's just about exactly double the size of the city of Vancouver. The first night we lost houses, we lost 15. You know, and that was huge because most of us had never seen more than two houses go up at one time. The memories and the emotions that this will conjure up will never fade. The city of Kelowna has almost doubled in size since that fire 20 years ago. Well, the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has new information in a couple of high-profile murders. We'll start with the killing of Gurdwara President Hardeep Singh Nijjar in Surrey. On June 18th, the 45-year-old was gunned down outside the Guru Nanak Sikh Gurdwara. Last month, investigators said they were looking for two suspects who fled the scene through Cougar Creek Park before leaving the area in a vehicle. Police now believe that this is the suspect's getaway car. It's a silver 2008 Toyota Camry, and they're also looking for the person who was driving it. They believe the vehicle was parked in the area of 121st Street and 68th Avenue before and after the homicide. This is an advancing investigation. IHIT's working hard. We work in partnership with the Surrey RCMP to advance this investigation, and it is progressing. Anyone with information is asked to contact IHIT 
by calling the number at the bottom of your screen. And IHIT also released disturbing developments in the disappearance of Stephanie Patterson, a counselor with the Coquitlam First Nation. Kamal Kuramali is live with more on what investigators are saying about that puzzling case. Kamal. Chris, the worst outcome imaginable. The body of Stephanie Patterson now discovered yesterday in a rural area of mission by members of the community in that area. Now, the integrated homicide investigation team says they arrested a man on Monday related to a missing persons investigation. Once her body was found on Tuesday, then that same man was rearrested this time for murder. So the 44-year-old Coquitlam First Nation counselor had been reported missing on Friday initially alongside 57-year-old David Hall, last seen leaving her Coquitlam home near Colony Farm Road and Lougheed Highway. Police won't confirm whether that man arrested is the same man, David Hall, who she was reported missing with, only saying they're waiting for charges to be laid before they can reveal more details. Meanwhile, the Coquitlam First Nation has now put out a statement to the public read here by IHIT. Now I'd like to share with you a statement provided by Chief Gabresh and Councillor Chaffee from the Coquitlam First Nation. At this time, we ask for respect and privacy for the family in their grief and suffering as we heal together as a community. We ask the public and media to also respect our space and land as we continue on our healing journey. We would like to thank the Coquitlam RCMP for their diligence with this investigation. Well, we've seen so much violence against Indigenous women here in Canada and all across uh, the land, uh, and certainly here in British Columbia, and so uh, our hearts are breaking for her uh, and for her loved ones. This is devastating news, and, and we've seen femicide increasing. Over the last three years, uh, there's been more killings of women and girls in Canada than we've seen uh, over the last decade. And we think, of course, it's because of a regression that we've had over the last while, where there's been an increase in gender-based violence broadly, intimate partner violence specifically, and femicide, which is the most lethal form of violence. Now, IHIT continues to lead this investigation. The next step is now to wait and see if and when charges are approved against the man arrested. Chris, back over to you. All right, Kamal, thanks very much for that report. Multiple sailings once again on the ferry route between Tawasin and Duke Point have been cancelled tonight. It's because of mechanical issues on one of the biggest ships. BC Ferry says the coastal renaissance is having problems with its main engine. The ship started shortly before 4 o'clock and was held out of dock briefly before being taken out of service. The remaining four sailings have been cancelled tonight. It's unclear how long it'll take to fix the vessel. Now, this comes less than three weeks after its sister ship, the Coastal Celebration, returned to service after weeks of mechanical issues. Picnics have been banned in three popular Coquitlam parks on Burke Mountain because of bears. The city says the number of bear sightings isn't unusual, but their behavior is. And our Cassidy Moscone joins us live with more on the locations where there is a pause on picnicking. Cassidy. Yeah, it's not allowed, but sadly, we've seen people down here just blatantly breaking the rules. It must be incredibly frustrating for the residents here. The three parks in question are popular with locals and residents alike, and one particularly curious bear.
When you live in nature, you don't get to choose your neighbours. It's probably the closest I've ever had a bear actually come to the Quiblam, their four-legged furry friends are getting a little too nosy. There's a bear coming this way and so picked up my five-year-old and you just kind of walk back the way you come and try and be as calm as possible. And he came and kind of hung around and followed us all the way kind of back up to towards where our car was. Encounters like these has forced the city to ban all food in three of its remote parks along the Coquitlam River, Hockaday, Gallet and Carly Crescent. We've been seeing an increase in bear activity in the parks and the bears have been uh, taking people's picnics and uh, lunches and they're just getting too close to bears uh, than we're comfortable with. It's a drastic but temporary measure until people get the message it hadn't hit home for some park goers today. Just asking people, pack it in, pack it out. I wouldn't say the bears are unfazed, they're very conscious of us. I think people are like, oh, let's get a closer look, let's get some photos. Being educated and just being aware and knowing what to do, um, it certainly won't stop us from coming and enjoying nature responsibly. The advice, leave your food at home. If you were in the park and you were approached by a bear, uh, we recommend you stay really calm, just back away slowly, resist taking out your cell phone and a photo of the bear, but just you know, exit the area. Because it's the bear's world, we're just living in it. There's been about 20 official reported bear sightings in the area since June. The city of Coquitlam will continue to monitor the situation over the coming days, maybe weeks, until any bans are lifted. Chris? All right, I'm hoping everybody stays safe there in Coquitlam. Thanks very much. That's Cassidy Moscone reporting for us tonight. E-bikes and e-scooters are everywhere, and studies suggest Metro Vancouver is one of the most important Canadian markets for these micro-mobility machines. They're so important, in fact... They're factored into the city of Vancouver's transportation plans for the next decade. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, a North Vancouver woman who was in a serious collision with an e-scooter is calling for better rules. 74-year-old Colin Goodyear is an elite athlete. She was training for the Ironman Triathlon World Championships in Hawaii. That is until July 8th. I was on at the end of a long bike ride and I was coming to a stop to take a left-hand turn and a young male on a, an electric scooter um, smashed into me just as I was about to make my turn, going quite fast. The crash near Lost Lagoon put her in St. Paul's Hospital with a left hip fracture and puncture wounds to her lower left leg. She says the incident highlights the dangers and lack of regulations for some modes of electric transport. There needs to be some sort of legislation to limit their, uh, their access to people and even with some limitations, some sort of driver's ed or, um, I don't know, license necessary. The person who hit her apologized and left soon after, facing no repercussions. Our officers do have authority to stop people on e-scooters, especially if they're behaving in erratic or unsafe uh, ways. Uh, but first and foremost, our goal is education. For Goodyear, the months ahead will be challenging following two hip replacement surgeries. The one that is in there now is great. Despite the road ahead, she's already planning for her next triathlon. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
In a statement late this afternoon, the province says eight municipalities have brought in bylaws allowing e-scooters under a three-year pilot program. They say early results show the machines are popular, they promote active transportation, and injury rates are low. The province also says few complaints and infractions have ever been recorded. The next big thing in the Vancouver rental market is actually very small. The launch of a new class of micro-suite in Vancouver has sparked quite a reaction online, especially when you see where they're built and how much they're charging. That's next on the News Hour. Karaoke competition. The performers living out a fantasy on the way to the world championships in Calgary. Also cruising to a new milestone. Why is celebrating this cruise ship season. That's coming up as well. Right now, though, with the high cost of housing such a hot topic in Metro Vancouver, today the federal government is announcing millions of dollars to build new rental units. With more on this, we'll bring in Keith Baldry. And Keith, this is specifically for a number of areas in Vancouver. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, Chris, you may recall, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that the housing issue was not a federal government responsibility. His political opponents quick to pounce on that remark. Technically, it may be true. Politically, though, the heat is on governments of all stripes and politicians of all stripes to make this a top priority issue. So what do you know today? His new, brand new housing minister, sworn in just the recent cabinet shuffle, Sean Fraser, comes to Vancouver and announces this. Nearly $500 million in funding, about 1,100 rental units located at UBC campuses eight other locations in Vancouver and the rent is going to be tied to median household income in Vancouver which means it'll be low market rates another feature of this also taking a page out of the the political football notebook when it comes to housing of David Eby and Pierre Poliev guess what rapid transit stations factor into this as well that every one of the projects that we're funding is going to be within walking distance to rapid transit options so more people can actually go from where they live to where they work more easily. And all of the units that are being uh, supported by the federal government today are going to be offered at a price point that is better than what the market is currently providing. So again, this is an idea of tying housing out rapid transit stations floated by uh, Premier David Eby and Conservative leader Pierre Poliev. It looks like the Liberals are on side with this idea as well. So these other eight locations, look for them to be located near existing SkyTrain stations in Vancouver all over the city. All right, let's hope uh, there's enough for the people who need them, and that's a big <laughs> number in Vancouver. Thanks very much, big Keith. Number. All right, a new micro-suite development in Vancouver is getting a lot of reaction, considering it is in the country's most expensive rental market. A TikTok showcases the amenities crammed into just 200 square feet. And as Kristen Robinson reports, it's causing so much commotion because of the hefty price tag. This is the neighborhood. This is a 200, yeah, 200 square foot apartment in downtown Eastside. A tiny unit for two grand a month. This is the price. This is the Lotus Hotel on Abbott at Pender, where the micro suite and several others under 200 square feet are being rented for upwards of $1,700 a month. Sean Esser pays slightly less and almost $1,300 a month for a micro studio. I mean, I think that's way too much for 200 square feet. Like, I can't even believe how much I pay. It's the smallest place I've ever lived in, and it's the most I've ever paid. The single-room accommodation property was purchased by a Toronto investment firm in 2021. 
The owners say more than 70% of the units were already renovated. Historic tenants in the remaining ones are being offered buyouts. Well, I have been offered money. This man is holding out. He's lived here for 22 years and currently pays $560 a month in rent. I am not interested because I, I cannot find the place. They, they, don't, they don't offer me a place to move. They, they offer me money. What can I do with the money? Five long-term tenants have accepted compensation and Forum Asset Management says it will continue to work with tenants open to a mutual arrangement to vacate in order to modernize units, but only if they confirm they have secured alternative housing. They're just robbing these people and it's just a terrible thing, you know, that it should be, should be banned by the city. In the absence of vacancy control, there's really nothing we can do. It, it may be unethical, it may be unscrupulous, but it's certainly not illegal. Under the current laws, what's happening at the Lotus Hotel and, and dozens of SRO hotels throughout the downtown east side is perfectly legal. This is your dining room. The future of housing in Vancouver means units traditionally available to those on disability or social assistance are disappearing, says Councillor Pete Fry, and those tenants are ending up on the streets. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up in health news, preparing for the triple-demic. We can't stop them from coming, no matter what we do. The three respiratory illnesses we need to prepare for when fall hits, and why this year may not be as bad as 2022. Plus, the sinking of the Engineka. Two workers died. The tugboat owners were in court today. We'll tell you how they pleaded to safety charges. Traffic is steady in both directions at the Portman Bridge tonight. Just a reminder, though, delays further east on Highway 1 at the 176th Street exit for an overturned semi with crews on scene. Today's Lotto 649 Gold Ball jackpot is $44 million, plus the classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. The owners of a tugboat that sank in the coastal waters of Kitimat, B.C., killing two mariners, have pleaded guilty to safety charges under the Workers' Compensation Act. Wainwright Marine Services and James Jeffrey Bates were each charged in February with eight counts of violating health and safety provisions. According to court documents, Wainwright Marine Services pleaded guilty to three of the charges today. Bates pleaded guilty to one. The MV Ingenica sank on February 11, 2021, pulling a barge through a raging storm with wind gusts of more than 70 knots. Only the vessel's 19-year-old first mate survived. Well, the days are getting shorter and fall is just around the corner. And while you might not be ready for a change in the seasons yet, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry has been preparing. Richard Zussman has her plan to avoid last year's terrible triple-demic of flu, RSV and COVID. It's nearly fall, school on the horizon, temperatures to get cooler and respiratory illness season set to arrive. We can't stop them from coming no matter what we do. The province once again planning for the triple-demic, RSV, the flu and COVID. A year ago, all three arrived at the same time and early. Health officials hoping this year will be different. We're hopeful, given what we've been seeing happening in the Southern Hemisphere, for example, that we won't have them all at the same time like we saw last year. Dr. Bonnie Henry says the province is in a much better place this fall than even last year. 
A recent report to the Canadian Medical Association Journal finding most people in B.C. have hybrid immunity due to infection and vaccination. But the idea of herd immunity or stopping the virus, no longer a reality. Yeah, I don't think we can think of it in terms of herd immunity anymore for this virus. Um, like influenza, it's one that comes in a periodic basis and it does transmit to between people, even people who have some immunity. Pharmacies once again will be where a majority of British Columbians receive both their flu and COVID shots. The rollout will start in late September or early October. And unlike last year, the vaccine for COVID actually is targeted towards Omicron, the most common strain of the virus. It's about thinking about it year to year now. Um, so what we want to do, similar to influenza, we want to make sure that uh, the uh, updated vaccine or the booster dose or the dose that we're getting this year um, protects us against what we see circulating this year. School, a major factor in driving circulation, the education system has respiratory illness plans in place, including expanding hand hygiene, having masks available for optional use and an encouragement to stay home when sick while also requiring students to provide records of all vaccination. That first week in September, making sure children are up to date on their other vaccines too, you know, measles, mumps and rubella, our chickenpox vaccine and others. So that's an, something to think about now as we're getting ready. And based on last year, getting ready could be the difference between our healthcare system staying resilient or buckling under the pressure. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Coming up, morning in Maui, the growing death toll and the attempt to carry on after the wildfire disaster. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. No delays either way at the Patello Bridge tonight, but a reminder it gets busier during the evening hours for ongoing construction affecting the northbound lanes. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert care for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. To the Maui wildfires now, where the death toll has surpassed 100. Victims are starting to be identified as search and rescue efforts continue. Meantime, there's growing frustration over the struggle for even the basic necessities more than a week since the tragedy. A week after the deadly firestorm, Maui has settled into a somber, grisly routine. Recovery teams and cadaver dogs sifting through the ruins, searching for victims. It's, it's going to be a very, very difficult mission, um, and patients will be incredibly important because of the number of, of victims. To this point, they've identified the remains of more than 100. Close to 1,000 are still missing. I personally don't have any hope left that the missing, that any of them are going to be found alive. Hope that's fading, replaced by a growing anger and frustration. Lines for just the basic necessities, food, water, clothes, stretched for miles, survivors who've lost everything, struggling. It's just hard and unbelievable. I mean, I still have loved ones 
that's trapped, for example, my dad. The pain, uncertainty, pulling licensed therapist Dana Lucio from a neighboring island to help. Allowing them a shoulder to cry on and just being present for them is my job right now. Lucio in a small caravan bringing medicine, medical supplies and support into the burn zone. I think that they're still very much shocked because when it happened, we, none of us were prepared for this. So the brain is not prepared to take in that type of, of, of information and trauma. A hug, a rare smile, a chance to talk in the midst of such overwhelming tragedy is for many what they need the most right now. The emotional along with physical support is something they'll need here for years during what's sure to be a difficult recovery. In Maui, Jay Gray, Global News. The Langley father is sharing his family's struggles tonight after his wife and young son were seriously hurt in a car crash. His wife is still dealing with lingering speech and mobility issues after suffering a stroke behind the wheel, while his injured son only has 40% of his vision. Grace Key has more on their difficult road to recovery. My mom had a stroke, and she told my mom's mom, my grandma, that, oh, my mom's not moving my right side, and something weird happened with her face. I'm like, oh, crap, mom's in danger, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to jump to her front, try to control the car, and kind of got caught. 12-year-old JV suffered multiple broken bones and optic nerve damage that left him with 40% vision after an accident in Langley in October. I could go out, like, go for a run in the neighborhood, call my friends, we'd like, walk to the store and stuff. I miss stuff like that. I miss being really independent. JV spent three months in hospital. ICBC says he is getting the full scope of benefits under the enhanced care, including therapy, rehabilitation equipment and cash benefits. Total to date, he will receive almost $83,000. Jasmine says the mental trauma on his son and wife has been difficult. And the mental trauma and the guilt that she sees every day looking at her son because he lost the majority of his vision. And she feels that it's because of her fault. Navdeet spent seven months in hospital. She can't speak, has cognitive impairment, and no movement on the right side of her body from the stroke. She suffered no injuries as a result of the crash, so she is covered under MSP, not ICBC. Medical tests have confirmed the challenges that she's experiencing are exclusively the result of her spontaneous stroke and not related to the crash. They aren't eligible for benefits through ICBC. Navdeet is a teacher in Langley and devoted her spare time to mentoring new immigrants. Her husband calls her a superwoman. As the sole breadwinner, he's taken 11 months off work to care for his wife and son, dipping into savings and his wife's long-term disability checks. Nobody knows how the recovery will be, but it looks like she should be able to take a couple of steps in the next six months. But he's determined to find more intensive, possibly alternative treatment for the two, which insurance doesn't normally cover, so he started a GoFundMe page. I've been in touch with multiple stroke survivors throughout the world and every single person has told me that don't give up. They said that your wife will get better. Grace Key, Global News. Still to come, you'll meet some wannabe superstars. So I do corporate training and teaching. Contestants in the Canadian Karaoke Championships, hoping for their shot at fame and fortune later. Plus in sports, welcoming the newest Whitecaps, what they're doing to get game ready. The Greater Victoria Harbour Authority is welcoming its 10 millionth cruise ship passenger today. The Queen Elizabeth cruise ship arrived at the Breakwater District at Ogden Point this morning. 
That marks 54 years of cruise ships visiting Victoria. The first ship arrived back in 1969. The authority says every year the cruise industry creates more than 800 full-time and part-time jobs in the region. Today signifies a fantastic recovery to our visitor economy in Victoria. It's great to see this post-pandemic. It's significant to our local businesses in our region. Um, and I think what's fantastic is people get to see what a wonderful place this is. Lewis Manning also says cruise visitors pump around $56 million a season into the local economy through tours and local retail. And are they ever being treated to some awesome weather right now? Okay, we'll bring in Yvonne Shell right now, filling in for Christy with the latest on this hot forecast. Yeah, another hot one. The heat wave continues today's day four. We do have a reprieve, a brief one in the forecast, and we are tracking some active weather into the interior for tomorrow. And I'll have that coming up in just a moment. Quick glance at some of the numbers in a few of the spots across the province today with 35 for Kamloops, Revelstoke into the low 30s, and Lytton today getting up to 38 degrees, but the hot spot for BC and Canada, Canada goes to Lillooet, topping out at 39.3. Overnight tonight, not much of a reprieve. We're still into the upper teens, pushing closer to 20 degrees and we've got one more hot day for tomorrow into the interior will be soaring once again into the mid and upper 30s and along the coast though with the humidex we're still feeling closer to 35 and 38 fire danger rating now sitting at high we've got many areas sitting at extreme and this is a big concern with the cold front a dry one that's going to sweep across the province for tomorrow all areas that are underneath the special weather statement will be tracking this tomorrow and continuing in towards our friday the concern once again very gusty winds and the risk of thunder Thunderstorms. Some of those gusts of up to 50 locally could be up to 70 kilometers per hour. Some of the dry lightning from those thunderstorms could spark new fires and the risk of breaking tree branches. We're tracking this tomorrow and then taking us in towards our Friday. Now the northern half of the province, a bit of a blip in the forecast inland. A few isolated showers are possible. The northeastern corners of the province will start to see a clearing on the way for the peace. Still another hot one and very smoky across the southern half of the province with many areas seeing widespread smoke. That'll continue over the next 24 and potentially up to 48 hours. Along the south coast and areas away from the water, still another hot one tomorrow. We'll be into the low 30s inland across the island and for us across the lower mainland factor in the Hubidex. We are going to see those temperatures tomorrow feeling like 35. That brief reprieve will be on Friday, taking us in towards the weekend so far. Still quite warm and then into early next week on Monday. Looks like we'll see temperatures back into the low 20s with highs up to 23. All right, tonight's weather window, a gorgeous shot. This one captured by Julian of the Sunrise in Souk this morning. Very pretty. Thanks very much, Yvonne, and thanks, Julian, for sending that in. All right, good thing we've got a very deep bench in the global sports <laughs> department. Nice to see Asa Raymond on the show, and uh, a deep bench is good for the Lions, too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Lions 7-2 and two right now, and each week another receiver is stepping up. Last game, it was Keon Hatcher's turn. I said last week, just continue to do what we do. Um, a recipe that's been working, keep doing what we do, man. That's all. Yeah, simple recipe that's helped the Lions cook. But Jay Janow's story shares some of the key ingredients that went into last weekend's big game. More to that, thanks, Asa. Also, competitors from across the country gathering in Calgary for Canada's largest karaoke contest. That's later.
from all the teams that come to play. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Be thankful you don't have Ace's calendar because he doesn't know <laughs> when he's working or going to show it, up though. on the air. Reporting sometimes at the desk, I love it. Switch it up, put me in, I'm ready to go. You're ready to go. Let's go. Next man up, here he is. Yeah, it's a big game uh, for the BC Lions on the weekends. And the BC Lions receiver, Keon Hatcher, is following up last year's breakout season with another standout campaign. He's on pace to beat the career best he set last year of 1,043 yards. And he's coming off his best game of the season. Jay Jano reveals the secrets to Hatcher's success. Down the field. He had a great week, you know, uh, he had a lot of targets in practice last week. He didn't have any drops and uh, I just knew that was going to, you know, translate into the game. And uh, and I told him before, I said, hey, like on day four, I said, let's go get 150 and a couple touchdowns. So he got 150 plus, but one touchdown. So, um, you know, I'm just so happy for him, man. He's a baller, hard worker and uh, means a lot to this team. The stat line from Keon Hatcher's best game of the season officially reads 10 targets, 9 catches, 170 yards, and 1 touchdown. He averaged just under 19 yards of reception, and that is bowling out. It's also a master's class in the chemistry between quarterback and receiver. Mad science of a funky fashion kind. And we'll let Keon explain that one to you. Since the first day I seen VA, uh, we, we, we kicked it off. I th he had on some dingy socks, man. He, he was all, <laughs> he, he laughing, but he was rocking all white, you know, white tights, white long sleeve, but the socks wasn't just pure white. And I, I told him he had to take them off. You know, you the QB, you got to take them off, go get some fresh white socks. But, man, uh, we hit it off right off the bat, and, um, man, we've been, we've been locked in ever since. That's my guy for sure. Halfway through the CFL season, it's a combination more than capable of socking it to the opposition. But the real bouquet that needs to be handed out for Hatcher's weekend performance goes to his family. Keon's mother and their extended family were in attendance at BC Place watching him haul in those passes and you know darn well that when mom's in the house you better be putting your best foot forward. My mom, my mom and my aunts came out. Uh, her birthday is actually today so happy birthday moms. Uh, her birthday today they came out for a little girls trip and came out to the game and stuff just to see uh, city of Vancouver so that was pretty pretty neat. And I knew after I threw him that one deep post and he's flexing, pointing at the, at the crowd, I'm like, oh, yeah, his moms must be here. So we always want to show out for moms and uh, when the family is here. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad he did that for them. But, you know, moms in town, you know, you always got to put on for moms. So that was, that was definitely motivation, but her birthday as well. So, like I said, just a little early birthday gift. A nice gift indeed. Next game for the Lions on Sunday against uh, Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan. As for the other football team, well, it's been so long since the Whitecaps last played, you may have forgotten that they have a couple big additions still waiting to make their debut. The last competitive game was on August 4th, and the last league game was on July 15th. The break, though, has allowed the new kids on the block to get up to speed. Richie Larea and Sam Adekubi have been training with the club and getting ready for the Caps' final 12 games of the regular season. I think some of the things are easy to pick up. Others, obviously, new coaches, um, uh, new philosophies and stuff like that are normal in football. So those things I'm 
definitely picking up on through these last couple of training sessions. And yeah, though, I think that, that stuff's important. You know, it's um, going to be growing pains with anywhere you go. Um, it's never going to be uh, seamless. And um, I think I've seen that in training where, um, you know, trying to get used to playing with different guys and um, different ways you want to attack and defend and stuff like that. So it's all been good, though. Me and Richie are coming from different situations. You know, I was th I went through a full preseason. Richie was in between clubs. So there's always a little bit of an adapt uh, adaptation process. But, you know, when we're working with the staff and the players here, it should seem very seamless. I think the expectation that uh, they're both ready to be selected for, uh, for Sunday, uh, I don't think that neither of them has uh, 90 minutes to play. But we will see how many minutes uh, we think that they can do. And we'll, we'll go from there. All right, staying on the pitch in Australia. England and Australia squaring off. Not far from the office of Dr. P. Sherman at 42 Wallaby Way in Sydney. Uh, this match kicked off at 3 a.m. for us. Worth setting an alarm for 36 minutes of the match. England breaking through with a great goal. Ella Toon setting it to the top corner. 1-0 England. It stayed that way until the 63rd minute. Sam Kerr scoring the goal of the World Cup. Sensational strike. Sending the home fans into a frenzy. This is the first match he started in this tournament. Made an impact 1-1 at that stage. But less than 10 minutes later, a defensive mistake by the Aussies leads to this chance for Lauren Hemp. She takes advantage. Slots at home. 2-1 England. Australia desperate to equalize. Off of this corner. It falls to Kerr. You'd want it to fall for her. But she puts it over the bar. She can't believe it. Coach can't believe it. Unbelievable miss there. England score a minute later, advance to their first World Cup final with a 3-1 victory. What a game that was. And uh, great for the Lionesses to well, get into the final. They will be taking on Spain. That one on Sunday should be a great final. It's been an amazing tournament. It's been that really fun great. to watch. The time's a little bit tough to, to get up for, but it's been fun to watch. Amazing highlights. All right, thanks very much, Asa. Appreciate it. Just ahead, so you think you can sing? Wait till you hear the contestants trying to qualify for the World Karaoke Championships next. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Share your story. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. Andrew is here now with a preview of tonight's Global News at 11. Thanks, Chris. We are keeping track of that incoming weather system that's forecast to bring strong winds and lightning to parts of the province. And a touching story out of North Vancouver, where Canada Post workers came to the aid of a single mom of three young children found stranded at a mall parking lot with no food, money or gas for their vehicle. The employees got in contact with the RCMP while also putting together a fundraiser to help the family. We'll have more on the collective effort highlighting a community coming together tonight at 11. Chris? So many good people out there. Well done. All right, thanks, Anne. Look forward to that story. Now, dozens of competitors across the country have gathered in Calgary for the country's largest amateur singing contest. And while Global's Cami Kepke isn't competing in the Canadian Karaoke Championships, she is learning more about what it could mean to win. By day, they could be your own co-worker. I do corporate training and teaching. Bilingual travel agent. I've worked in, uh, in banking for 34 years. But this week, they're taking center stage at Canada's largest amateur singing competition. I see love that money just can't buy. 
70 competitors from across the country are taking part in the 2023 Canadian Karaoke Championship. The top two in the solo and duet categories will move on to represent Canada at the World Karaoke Championship this November in Panama. People that are singing on pitch and uh, in the right key, all of that. Um, and then their performance, their stage presence is huge, right? Um, so, you know, they might mimic a little bit of what the you know original performer might do, but it is about how they make the song their own. Competitors and judges tell me hanging out in their local karaoke bars actually goes a long way towards honing their craft. But there are also a lot of misconceptions about what they do and the level of talent that's out there. When you say karaoke, you sort of get a picture of, of being out, having fun, people just singing whatever and just sort of getting into it. And it's not, not noted for being really high quality of, of vocals. But once you start getting into a competitive version of karaoke you realize there's some amazing talent out there. There are also plenty of singers where this is a real outlet for them um, emotionally and also a place to really hone their craft so they'll go to karaoke and work on their vocals and work on their performance so they want to share the joy of music with other people. Also urging more people to gather the confidence to pick up the microphone. If you go and have fun that's the whole the whole of it really. Get up sing, take a step forward. There's nothing achieved if you don't push yourself. You find out about your voice, like I'm of a certain age and I'm still discovering things. The competition runs until Saturday at Calgary's Deerfoot Inn and Casino. Cami Kepke, Global News. Good luck to the competitors there. It takes a lot of courage to get up on that stage, doesn't it? They make it look easy. They sure do. Uh, okay, last word on weather before we go, Yvonne. Still another hot one for tomorrow. Uh, last day of the heat wave for a few spots, especially along the coast. We may see a bit of a reprieve as we get in towards our Friday. It'll be more comfortable, but keep in mind, areas in towards the interior, the big weather story Thursday leading in towards our Friday. Dry cold front is going to spark very gusty winds and the potential for some thunderstorm. Lightning will be the big concern. Through the weekend so far, still hot and drying into early next week. Temperatures into the low. All right, we'll keep an eye on the impact of those winds, too. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Asa, good to have you on the show. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow.